All right. Amen. That was good. Come on. Was that good? So before I get going, I want to go ahead and just read two verses to start out with, two powerful verses, and then we'll go ahead and pray and we'll hear what God has to say. Romans 12, 2, one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. It says, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it goes on to say, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. The other day I was reading in 1 Peter and I came across a verse that right away reminded me of that verse and it's 1 Peter verse 14. It says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. I read that and I thought that was me. I was living in ignorance. And it says, do not be conformed to the evil desires. If you would, would you bow your heads? I'm gonna ask that God would show us what he wants to show us tonight because I've got some words, but God's got better words than I have. So if you would bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we are here tonight for you. Father, we are here to spend time with you. We ask for just a glimpse of you. Father, we ask that we would truly know you, Father, and that we would truly be known by you. And Father, we ask that you would show us who you created us to be. We love you and we praise you. We pray this in Jesus' name and everyone said, amen. As I was looking at these two verses, three words stood out to me. The first word is, conformed. Romans 12, 2 says, do not be conformed. It says the same thing in 1 Peter, do not be conformed. The second word that stood out to me was transformed. If you look in Romans 12, 2, it says, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed. And the third word that stood out is where it's, we'll get to it in a little bit. It's a verse right after 14. It says, it says, be holy. And I read these verses and I thought about these three words. So I decided that I was gonna do a little bit of studying and digging into what, what these three words mean. This word to be conformed, it says it in Romans and in 1 Peter, it's from two Greek words put together. The first word means identifying with. The second part of it means an outward shape or pattern. So it means to, be ident to identify with an outward shape or pattern. When you put them together, it literally means assuming an outward shape. And maybe it's me, but I first went to this right here. It's a cookie cutter. How many of you in here have ever made Christmas cookies or something like that? You know the process, right? You make the dough, you eat part of the dough because everyone does. And then, and then you, you get the biggest surface you can in your, in your kitchen, you wash, wash it down, you throw the dough on it with some flour underneath and you get out the rolling pin and you just start rolling it, right? And then what do you do? You take your favorite shapes and you begin to cut out a repeated shape over and over again, right? You start on one side up in the top left corner maybe and you just start going and you, you find out about six or seven stamps in how you can maneuver it to get all of your use, right? You remember this. 
picture it. You're making Christmas cookies or, or Valentine's Day cookies and you're, you're cutting out these shapes and then you're slowly peeling away the extra, right? You peel it around the outside so you can get underneath there because you don't want to rip another cookie. So you peel out the extra and you put it in a pile off to the side and then you take that cookie and you put it on a sheet and you've got a, a repeated shape. And then what do you do? You repeat the process and eventually you get to the point where you think, I think I have just about enough cookie dough to make one more. So either you eat the rest of it or you do what I would do. I take and I put the, the cookie cutter down on the board and you take the pieces of extra cookie dough and you shove them down inside you begin to put them down inside and you begin to press that leftover cookie dough around the shape to make just one more. That's the imagery of this word conformed. It's saying, don't let the shape of cookie cutter that the world has planned, don't let that be the shape that you Form two. You can hear it. Assuming an outward shape. It's literally taking and using the mold that the world has to form us. And this is what I thought about. The world has a plan for each and every one of us. And the warning here is this. Don't let the pressures of the world shape you into what it wants to shape you into. But instead, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you read in 1 Peter, it says in verse 14, which we already read, it says, as obedient children, do not be conformed to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. The next verse, verses 15 and 16, it goes on to say, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So we've got kind of a challenge here. Don't let the shape that the world wants to put you in, just like that last bit of cookie dough the week before Christmas and you want to get one more, don't let the world take and put pressure on you to form you the way that it wants to, but it says instead, be holy. And I read that and I thought, that's got to be impossible. It's got to be impossible to be holy. Because I associate holiness with things like perfection, right? That's in my mind, I kind of say holy, it has to do with being perfect, so then I determined that instead of putting my own spin on it, maybe I should take and see what the original word was for that. If you look up that word holy, it comes from the Greek word hagios. Hagios. And this is literally what it means. It means be set apart. That's it. To be set 
apart, set apart for God to be, as it were, exclusively, if you look at the word, it says exclusively his. This is what this verse is saying. You have two options. There's the option of what the world wants to do. The shape that it wants us to take. I thought about this for me. The, the, the world has a shape for Tim that it wants to push me into. And it's going to put pressures on me. And it's going to force me in areas. And it's going to ruffle me up a little bit. And it's going to try to make me shape to what it wants. Or this verse says that I can form to that or I can choose to be set apart. To be set apart exclusively for what God has. The verbiage of this word is kind of like this. In December, I had a surgery on my stomach. I had some acid issues going on and I had a surgery. My wife and I knew that that surgery was coming up. We knew that there were going to be some bills associated with that surgery. The imagery of this word set apart is like this. My wife and I decided beforehand that we were going to start setting aside finances to pay for that surgery that was coming up. It's taking and setting something aside and saying, this has a specific intended purpose. Could it be used for other things? Of course. But instead, it's used to offset the cost of that surgery. That word set apart, hagios. God wants us, God wants us to be set apart. In Matthew chapter five, it says that we are the salt of the earth. Do you know what salt's good for? I can think of two things. Okay. We live in Michigan. Let's be real. I can think of three things. The third one is melting the salt on my driveway. That's like this. We've had a couple cars slide down into the road. It's, we've learned salt is important. <laughs> but salt for, for food has two purposes. If you go back a long time ago before you could plug in a fridge and keep things nice and cool, salt would preserve meat. They would use salt to preserve meat for long travels. The second thing that salt is good for is salt enhances flavor, right? It makes things taste a little bit better. I found it makes French fries taste really good. We are called the salt of the earth. You want to know why? Because the world by itself is a little funky and tastes a little bad, right? And God says that we are called to step up. And first of all, we have a preservation factor of we can literally spread the word of God. We can advance the kingdom. But the second part is this. We also just make the world taste a little bit better. In Jeremiah 1 verse 5, God is calling Jeremiah, look at this. This same thing is true about each and every one of us. God is calling Jeremiah and it says, before I formed you in the womb, God says, I knew you. And then listen to what it says next. Before you were born, I set 
you apart. Before you were born, God looks at you and he says, before you were born, I set you apart. I think of Jeremiah and no one else could do what Jeremiah did because Jeremiah was called to do that before Jeremiah was even born. Before Jeremiah was born, God had set him apart and said, I've got something special I wanna do in you and through you. Here's the thing. The world wants to take its cookie cutter and go to Jeremiah and say, Jeremiah, why don't you form to the plans that the world has for you? But instead, Jeremiah said, I'm not gonna do that because I know that I've been set apart for something great. The same thing is true about each and every one of us. God has set each and every one of us apart for something great. No one else can step into the shoes that God made for you to wear. They're your shoes. Someone else can try to do it, but they can never be you exactly like you are. God wants you to know that he has set you apart. He has set me apart. He set each and every one of us apart. And we have a choice. Are we gonna allow the world to force us down into the shape that it has for us, giving us our destiny? Or are we gonna say, God, you wanna know what? I'm gonna step up to what you have for me. I'm not gonna sit down anymore, but I'm gonna step up and I'm gonna go after what you have created me for. In Psalms 139, it says that God intricately wove you together in your mother's womb. I once heard it said this way, you might've been an accident to your parents, but you were never an accident to God. God has something for you. God has something for me. And I have to choose every day to step into that because you wanna know what? Every day the world's trying to force me into the cookie cutter that it has for me. And I have to choose to step up and sometimes I don't. We're not perfect. But this is what this verse is saying. Don't be conformed to the old things you once were. Instead, be set apart for what God has for you. Be set apart for his plans for you. but you can't be set apart if there's nothing different from you than there is from the cookie cutter that the world has created. We have to be different. Romans 12, two, do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This word transformed, it's literally a metamorphosis. The other day I was walking, not the other day, this is last year in the summer. Wow, time flies. Last year in the summer, I was walking with my then three and a half year old daughter and we found a butterfly on the ground that had hurt its wing and it was on the ground. And we, we 
protected the butterfly for a little bit, but eventually we had to let it keep going and we continued on our walk. Well, later on, we found a caterpillar. And I I began to try to explain this process to my three and a half year old daughter and I couldn't quite figure out how to do it to explain that a caterpillar will eventually become a butterfly. And that that imagery is the exact same imagery that this word transformed said. It, It says, don't let the cookie cutter shape of the world force you into what it wants. Instead, like a caterpillar turns into a butterfly, be transformed. Be transformed, be completely changed, even in what appears like identity, be completely transformed into what God has for you. You see, naturally, we kind of walk through life and and it's like a pinball machine. The machine's determining where we go. The world's determining where we go. And then one day we have an encounter with Jesus Christ and we have an opportunity to say, are we going to let the world shape us or are we going to let God shape us? Do not be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, therefore, anyone who is in Christ, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. I was thinking about this verse and I was thinking about how we're a three-part being. We have flesh, we live in a body of flesh, we are a a spirit and we have a mind. Three-part being. When we get saved, nothing happens to our, our flesh. Nothing happens to our physical body. What happens, the new creation is started on the inside, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore the new has come. What that literally means is our spirit is completely made new to the point where it's unrecognizable from what was before, just like the butterfly changes and, and our, our bodies are kind of just along for the ride. They've got a will that they want to do. They've got something they want to do. But, but if you look at, if you look at our, our minds, our soul, it's our mind, our will, and emotions, that's the process where transformation happens from Romans 12 to. Because our bodies are just going wherever we come from the dust, we return to the dust. We've, we've, we've read these verses or heard this before. Our spirit is already saved and made new the moment we encounter Jesus Christ and ask for salvation. And the, the transformation happens inside of our minds. It's a battle of the mind. Joyce Meyer wrote a book about it. It's a battle of the mind. And we get to choose every day whether we participate in it or or not. It's our choice. I wrote down that it's a willful submission and it starts with the word of God, pursuing him passionately, seeking first his kingdom, drawing near to God. It's a willful submission to what God has called you to do. In each and every moment of each and every day, we get to choose to participate in it.
thought about this this week as well. The Holy Spirit, God is a three-part being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit will bring conviction into our life. The enemy brings condemnation. The Bible says, therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. I read that verse and I think sometimes the enemy is still trying to condemn me, but I can know that it's not from God. The, the enemy tries to bring con- condemnation. Condemnation has to do with your past. It has to do what has happened. Conviction has more to do with your future. Condemnation is is pointing out the things in your past to basically say you're not qualified, where, where conviction of the Holy Spirit has to do with God showing you things in your life because he has called you to something incredible. I'm here to tell you that God really doesn't care as much about your past as he does about your future. He doesn't care about what happened before you came in that door, but he cares a lot about what happens after you leave this place. This week, I had to deal with something where God was convicting me, not because he cared as much about my past, but he cared about my future. The enemy was trying to bring condemnation, but the Holy Spirit was convicting me. And I get to choose how I want to handle it. And this is what I had to do this week. I had to look and I had to say, I'm not gonna let the cookie cutter of the world through the, con- through the condemnation of the enemy force me to take the shape that it wants me to take. Because you probably know it wanted me to do certain things. The devil wants us to quit. The devil wants us to stop pushing through. The devil wants us to not care. God says, keep pushing through. God says, keep pursuing him. God says, be purposed in it. God says, willfully submit to what I have for you because that's what God cares about. If you would, would you stand up with me? We're gonna go back in to a time of worship and we're gonna do something a little different than we've done in a while, we're going to have communion elements up on these two tables. We've got some deacons that are going to come forward and help us with that. Normally when we do communion from the stage, we tell you when to take it. And that is an amazing way to do it. But what I had impressed upon my heart as we go back into this time of worship is resting in God's presence and individually asking God when we're ready. And this is what communion is tonight. Communion tonight is saying, God, I am ready to step into what you have called me to do. I wanna make a little little exclaimer here. If God has called you to something bigger than you can imagine, be very thankful and realize that God does not call the qualified. God chooses to qualify the called. God will give you the things that you need to step into what he has called you to do. But just like Peter in that boat, he might ask you to step out of the boat, even though you've never walked on water before. 
So as we go back into this time of worship and spending time in, in God's presence, I'm gonna challenge you, if you need to spread out and you wanna go to your, go over onto the side where you could spend time with God, maybe you need to get on your knees or come in, come up here. Realize we're in, we're in pews, so it's kinda hard if someone's trying to walk by when we're worshiping, so maybe we need to spread out. We've got about 15 minutes where we're gonna spend time in, in worship and up here there's, there's actually baskets with loaves of bread or with, with chunks of bread in it. And you could come up when, when you feel the release from God, when you feel you're ready, you could come up here and there's a pair of tongs and you can grab the bread with the tongs and, and then take it with your fingers and you can dip it in the juice and maybe hold your hand under it so it doesn't drip and then go off to where you need to. And this is what I want you to do. I want you to say, God, I'm about to participate in communion with you. And I'm doing this with the understanding that I'm ready to step up into what you've called me to do. God, I might not know how to do that. I might not know every step of the way. I might not know which doors to go to, but I'm gonna believe that as I take step and I take another step and I take another step, you will guide each and every step along the way. The interesting thing about David and Goliath is God never told David to go fight him. Instead, David decided to take some steps and he found himself facing a giant. But you wanna know what? God can take down giants in your path with just a sling and a stone. If you would close your eyes, bow your heads. We have to be diligent in our focus. It all comes down to this next verse I'm about to read. Because the, the, the simple question is, how do I do this? How do I make sure that I'm focused on what God has for me and not focused on letting the world shape me into what it's got for me? Hebrews 12, starting in verse one says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. It says, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let me challenge you, run with perseverance the race that God has marked out for you. And it goes on to say this, we do this by fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. It's less about our actions and more about our direction. It's about keeping our spiritual eyes, the eyes of our life fixed on Jesus and saying, I'm going to pursue him all out. So as we go into this time of offering communion and we have this opportunity to participate, I'm gonna read out of 1 Corinthians 11, starting in verse 23. It says, the Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body. 
which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink in remembrance of me. Father, as we begin to enter this time of worship and fellowshipping with you, as we begin to enter this time of participating in communion, Father, I pray right now that you reveal to each and every one of us areas in which we need to step up to what you have called us to do. Father, you know more than us that we are broken and fallen and we're living in a broken, fallen world. It's not about being perfect, but it's about pursuing you. It's about fixing our eyes on you. So Father, as we participate in this, we are committing to focus our lives on pursuing you with everything that we have. Father, we know it's not about the actions and the things that we do, but it's about an attitude of seeking you. So we set this time aside for you.